Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway Wednesday edition. It's already here. Start to look ahead to the NFL weekend. We've got Bobby Carpenter joining us. Outkick.com's college football contributor. You can also catch him on SiriusXM, Channel 84 with Jacob Hester. Looking forward to chatting with Bobby in 20 minutes. We've got uh, Guns, the Gun Show, coming on the show today. Mike Gunzelman from Outkick will be with us in hour number two. Plus our weekly visit with Clay Travis in hour three today. Where we will uh, have him react to the passing of Mike Leach. Uh, Clay knew him well. Uh, has uh, done more than just interview him, Chad. He's hung out with them outside of the football facilities or post-game elements, and uh, looking forward to getting Clay's perspective on all of that. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing well. I continue to go down the rabbit hole of more and more videos and stories of Mike Leach from all yeah. walks of life. The latest one I saw was from Cole Hauser, who plays Rip on Yellowstone. Um, his son committed to play football for Mike Leach at Mississippi State as a high school player. And he talks about his experience in the recruiting process and getting to know Mike Leach and his wife Sharon and how much he loves and respects both of them. Matthew McConaughey posted a picture with Mike Leach also. Of all the interesting tales of this man, of the pirate, more and more continue to come out and all the different connections of people who, who knew him uh, there was one story I read from a high school football coach in Mississippi that they kept talking about their dogs before he was supposed to go to an in-home visit with one of the coach's players. And instead of going to the visit right away, he said, hey, can we make a pit stop so I can see that black lab of yours? And he said, got out of his truck and started playing with the black lab for a solid hour and then went on the visit. Um, just really cool stuff on Mike Leach. And this always happens, unfortunately, when someone passes away. Yeah. You start reading more and more stories about them. But I'm loving everything that I'm seeing but on Mike like, Leach. Not like this, though. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, you, when when some of the greatest coaches pass away, you hear about their their life and their legacy to the sport. But with, with Mike Leach, it's more about the personal moments and the quick story that you had or the hour or two that you spent with them instead of oh, remember whenever he had this massive game plan against one of the best defensive minds in football, right? Like, it's, it's so much more than that, which is why it's fascinating. It's the storytelling behind the, 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 the story with Leach, because it, no matter if you're great at storytelling or not, you're going to tell it through how, whatever Mike Leach said, which is going to be great. And that's why on Twitter, I mean, I, I'm reading everything too, and, and we're sharing things. We've got group text going on with multiple people where everyone's giving their best one. It's, it's cool. I like the, the, the time Oklahoma's Mike Leach created an entirely fake play sheet to go up 17, nothing on Texas. Uh, it's far and away my favorite Leach story. He was one, he was one of the best to ever do it. And they've got a whole feature on this that, um, they Oklahoma tweeted out with this. 
It's incredible. You're right. Most of the time you get these. Oh, this is what happened in this game, and this is what yeah. he told this player uh, during the the catch by Michael Crabtree in 2008 against Texas. Yes. Here was the play call. This is so much more about just the interpersonal experience of being around Mike Leach from so many different angles. It reminds me a lot of Bill Murray stories. There's an entire that's really, documentary yeah. that's devoted to Bill Murray walking up behind a stranger at a urinal and tapping them on a shoulder and saying something into their ear. And that, that they turn around and it was Bill Murray that was doing it. But all these random interactions with someone like that, I'm, I'm reminded of this as I read more and more about the life of Mike Leach, an, an impressive guy. Chad, um, interesting developments with the Marcus Mariota story out of Atlanta, where he's demoted. He is. Uh, he, he knows through the bye week, they, they're coming off their bye week, that he's going to be replaced in the lineup by Desmond Ritter. Now, this is around the time you would do that. Um, and, and we've said before, like this is also the time, if, if healthy, Matt Corral would, would have likely been inserted over Sam Darnold, given the circumstances. Or at yep. least I would expect that to happen, maybe it's even before then, quite frankly. Uh, point being, reports yesterday, and also through just the head coach, Arthur Smith, as you read the story, uh, I mean, we hit it yesterday. He, he mentions, Arthur Smith, of course you want all of your guys to be here, but guys have to make decisions. Speaking on Mariota leaving the team. It's part of professional sports. You have to have contingency plans. Um, Arthur Smith added yesterday, or Monday, excuse me, that Mario was also likely to be placed on injured reserve and what Smith described as, chronic, as a chronic knee injury. Mario's knee is, quote, nothing that has been an issue this season, but that's his prerogative. Which, again, like... That, that's Arthur Smith, to me, completely rolling Mariota under the bus. And you don't have to really read between the lines to see he's saying guys have to make personal decisions for themselves. He is claiming an, a, an injury that did not exist all year. Right, but what's interesting here is as... As Arthur Smith, again, keep in mind, for those that don't know, Arthur Smith and Mariota were together here in Nashville with the Titans for several seasons. And then he signs him this offseason as a contingency plan based on whatever they're going to do in the draft and whatever happened with, of course, Matt Ryan as they went after Deshaun Watson but lost out to the Cleveland Browns on the guaranteed contract. But now we learn that you know it, it seems as though Mariota's away because... There's a newborn in the family. And that is the, I mean, this is crazy to me that he actually left to go be, be there for the birth of his child. Um, if that's the case, I mean, what is going on in Atlanta? Well, did he hurt his knee on the way to the birth? Because he's still claiming that he has a chronic knee injury and he's going to IR for that reason. A yeah. claim that, that Arthur Smith but they haven't is put him on disputing. IR. But they haven't put him on IR. That was what was interesting about it. So was this some big miscommunication? And if so, then uh, Arthur Smith needs to explain himself. Well, I mean, uh, and maybe he will uh, today um, because I, I, th I found it practice. very strange too. But like, uh, you, so there are different. Like, if you if you actually just leave and abandon the team, there's a different list you can go on where the team can recoup certain bonus money, signing bonuses. Uh, he has a two year deal, not a one year deal. So again, that that's part of the whole storyline. It, it's just odd. Because it's Mariota. It's not um, who, who would we put in this in this category? It's not Antonio Brown. Yeah. Right? It's not and No, it's not some loose cannon. And the the chronic knee injury um, that that statement from Arthur Smith makes it seem like Mariota wanted to go to injured reserve 
and he was done for the season so that he could just pack it in. Again, that's that just that's just the 30,000-foot view Hutton, of it. And you're not reaching to come to that conclusion. I mean, it is Arthur Smith saying that he's going with Desmond Ritter for performance reasons away from Marcus Mariota right. and in the same media availability stating guys have to make their own decision so Marcus Mariota is going on the IR for a chronic knee injury that has not been an issue all year that we've known about. So I'm not reaching, you're not reaching to say, oh, what Arthur Smith is saying is he told Marcus Mariota he was not the quarterback, Desmond Ritter will be, yeah. and Mariota is now trying to quit the team by claiming he's got a chronic knee injury because he doesn't want to show up every day and go through the motions of being the backup to Desmond Ritter. That's what everyone took it as. So if somehow it's not that, it's him going to be there for the birth of his child? Yeah. Which uh, he's There's also, some explaining to do from the Falcons. He got married about a year ago or so, a year and a half ago, I believe. Maybe it's a little bit longer than that uh, in Hawaii uh, to his longtime girlfriend. But it, again, like uh, he didn't just leave the team because he was angry. He left because he was a new dad. And I mean, surely the Falcons knew that. So, But th- where did the chronic I knee injury thing come from? Well, so... That's why. Uh, when do they have to label it for for IR purposes? Is there a time that that's going to come out? Um, they can put him on IR anytime between um, Monday and Saturday at the cutoff time. Saturday by I think three o'clock Central, four o'clock Eastern, maybe maybe a little bit before that. Uh, they have to declare roster status for all players. But the 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 interesting thing there is though, Chad the the chronic knee injury. I think Arthur was also kind of clarifying like. We have you haven't seen him on the injury report with that because this is this is a chronic thing that he had nothing to do with this season, but he's likely to go to injured reserve. That that was the but he also like put him on blast with that too, which is also odd for Arthur Smith. Um, and it's is a relationship this, that seems broken. But again, we we'll hear from the coach. Is this later. a case where keeping it real went wrong? <laughs> Maybe for Arthur Smith that he's just thinking he's saying what he's thinking at the time. And that there's some ways that Marcus Mariota could have covered himself yeah, with and this. I, the, and it doesn't look as bad for him. Because when I first saw the story, I'm thinking, this is a terrible look for Mariota and very unexpected from him. Yes. You could expect a lot of things like poor passes from Mariota as a quarterback and inaccuracy at time, but this is not something I would label with him. And, and you know, and, other than, you know, there was this slight controversy where he was medically cleared to play and didn't. In a season finale, that was a win and end scenario for the Titans as the quarterback that You're some right fans took exception You're to. You're right about that. Yeah. That the yes, team doctor said you can play, and he decided to get a second well, opinion and didn't play. And he is, uh, Mariota is scheduled to have surgery, according to uh, Tori McElhaney, um, who covers the team. And if that's the case, he's definitely going to injured reserve if he hasn't already. Hit us up with your thoughts on that at Outkick360. It's an interesting story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chad, Purdue. The Boilermakers clearly caught off guard in a coaching search with Jeff Brom taking the, the Louisville job. The timing was perfect for this, where he has been offered the Louisville job prior to uh, this offseason. But the timing here, perfect for Brom to go home. Purdue tried to do everything possible to keep him, matching any offer, raising the stakes on any offer. But he, he decided to take off for the Cardinals and, and more power to him. Again, going back. Uh, to his to his school. Meanwhile, 
Purdue, Purdue ends up with Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters. And of the hires, I think this one is the one that you, you kind of have to throw all your eggs in a basket, go to your list and say, okay, who are the, the up-and-coming coaches across college football that we're ready to invest in? Ultimately, they go with Illinois' defense, known for being great. And here's Walters getting a shot at the head coach of Purdue. Yeah, I think if if you are Purdue, you are in that sort of no man's land as a program with, with that status of do you go for an established head coach at the mid-major group of five level? Uh, for instance, when they hired Brom, it was from Western Kentucky where he was a head coach. Right. So do you go to that level as a head coach or do you go get the top assistant that you can find that impresses you? that you've kept an eye on, that is in your athletic director file mm-hmm. of a guy you want to talk to, and allow yourself to be blown away by the interview with that coordinator and hire them. So it doesn't shock me that they went this route because I think you're really – it's a seesaw. You're, you're teetering on the edge of what you're going to get at Purdue. Purdue's not a job where you're going to lose Jeff Brom and go out and hire some big-name coach or go get someone to leave a really good program to go coach at Purdue. All due respect to Purdue, they're just not that program. So maybe Ryan Walters was the best thing. He's a 36-year-old defensive coordinator. He's been with Brett Bielema at Illinois for two years. They had the second-best defense in the country this year. Uh, he's an African-American coach. Um, I think that's the first in Purdue history for football. I'd have to go back and double-check that as a head coach. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, again, I – I didn't see this and think, oh, boy, Purdue really had to go low to go get a coach, to go get a coordinator. I thought, yeah, it makes sense for Purdue to, to go this route. And now he's really got to act fast on everything, and he has. I mean, with the staff, with recruiting, all of it. And, you know, the other thing is it's interesting. They go from the offensive-minded direction of Brom to the defensive-minded direction of Walters. Isn't it always that way? It's the, well, they seem to always kind of go the opposite, but not. I know what you're saying. Not when someone leaves and you're having success. Yeah, you go the opposite when you fire someone. Yeah, and then you and want they, to go get the other side of the ball. Yeah, hit us up. Uh, a jo- you can join us in the chat. We should mention that um, on YouTube. I'll jump in there as well today, Chad. Please do. We can chat in the uh, chat with Chad. I'll be doing it during the live segments as well. Um, we'll just send you some messages on YouTube. Hope you'll subscribe. Uh, and you can also stream the show live at outkick.com. And if you're listening across the Outkick Network, we appreciate that uh, on this great radio partner. Coming up, plenty of college football discussion. And we can dive into some NFL topics as well. Bobby Carpenter is going to join us. We've got Mike Gunzelman later in the show, plus Clay Travis. Again, Bobby Carpenter in a matter of minutes here on Outkick 360. First, though, Aurora NutriScience, VitalLifeScience.com, our trusted partner that keeps us here at Outkick 360, mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers supplements where you need them the most, your body. Vitalifescience.com is the website, V-I-D-A-Lifescience.com. It's where you can see more information. Our season ticket holders with the show, that's everyone watching, listening, you receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive systems breaks these pills down that you're using until there's little left for you to benefit. But... Here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. You can check out everything online, vitalifescience.com, V-I-D-A-lifescience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at vitalifescience.com.
What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Chad, I've been waiting all week for a visit with Bobby Carpenter because where we left it last week, there was a cliffhanger. Outkick 360 rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, like our location. favorite with- television show. Last week. Yeah, beer at Old Smoky Moonshine. Bobby has no clue what I'm talking about. He's like, man, where are we going here? Um, you were not allowed to tell us your Heisman vote a week ago, and I'm curious uh, what it is and your top three. You said all of them were represented in the, the four players who were in New York this past weekend. So, Bobby, hope you're doing well. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. And um, curious which way you voted. You know, it was uh, it was tough going through that. I love. I, you said the cliffhanger. I couldn't remember exactly what we were even talking about. I'm like, <laughs> man, I hope I don't have some sort of uh, life changing revelation that I'm supposed to deliver today on the show. But um, you know, I guess my vote, honestly, you know, right, wrong, or different. Uh, you know, I tried to wait bigger games. The way I looked at it, you, you know, com- compilation of stats, but guys that meant a lot to their team. Their teams were good, um, and I ended up going with uh, Caleb at one. Max at two, and then CJ at three. So I think that's how it actually broke out um, For in totality. It was hard. I, I took a look at putting Stetson Bennett in there. I took a look at putting Marvin Harrison Jr. in there. Um, I took a look at Hidden Hooker. It just, and like Blake Corman, it's really hard when you don't get a full season of work, especially at the end, and you miss a la- last couple of games that can be very impactful. Like I, I'm not sure really how to weight that. Maybe I'll be better to define define the process moving forward but that's for better or worse that's how it shook out this year bobby carpenter with this sirius xm you can check him out on channel 84 he and uh, jacob hester uh he calls it meathead radio i believe uh with uh, channel 84 uh, the passing of mike leach has brought out some some great stories on social media man i what chad and i have been discussing for the last 24 or so hours um there's not another coach out there like him and really in sports, I mean, Barkley is in that category. And there's not many others that are so – you can go to different areas, not just football, and have such an interesting conversation with the guy. Uh, Leach was one of a kind. And in terms of the stories we're reading, it's more than just X's and O's, which would be the traditional way, at least in, in the sports media, we would be defining someone right now who, who is no longer with us. 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting because Mike Leach is a guy who I you know I you know was in a couple interviews with him, you know press rooms, um, got a chance to uh, play against him. my first college game. Uh, was against Texas Tech in the Pigskin Classic. It was Cliff King's very senior year. Wes Walker, who was a veteran. I remember going through and looking at this crazy offense with these huge splits, and you know they're running these deep overs. They throw the ball all the time, but they still ran it a little bit as well. And so, you know, we talk about you know the air raid offense and his impact. You look at his coaching tree and just how vast it really is, and his impact, especially on the college game, and you know, even some of the concepts that you see in the NFL. Some of those are Mike Leach concepts, uh, but everybody felt like they knew him, even if you never met him, because you knew so much about him. Because like you said, I mean, it wasn't just an X's and O's talk on Saturdays or at a post game or, you know, Monday, the Monday press or whatever it is. I mean, from candy corn talking about his love of khakis to wedding advice, to all kinds of stuff, man, the, the mascot breakdowns of the Big 12 and the Pac-12, you know, the guy always just had something for everyone. And that was like genuinely who he was in the stories. I don't know if you guys heard this. Um, you know, Danny Amendola used to feed me a lot of great ones um, when I was playing with him. So I was like, what is he really like? And he's like, dude, he'd start rolling this off. And Chris Long tweeted something out. And I don't know if you guys saw it, that him and Danny would go to like music festivals and then they'd call Leach on the, like the way home. You know, like the drunk phone call from the back of the Uber, and they would talk to him for like two hours. It'd be the middle of the night, and he would just be, you know, appeasing them and telling stories and all kinds of nonsense. And so you see that, you know, like his desire and willingness to connect uh, with people is is so truly amazing and so impressive. I think that's what people, you know, your, your connection to him and what you know his connection to his players and other coaches and the impact he's had. Yeah, the stories are great, and that's why you feel like you knew him. Yeah, the coaching tree is vast. But I, I saw this story yesterday, and uh, he brought in this is I, this has to be incredibly hard for a coach to bring in a player, tell him he's not going to play, and probably not going to play for him ever. But he wants that guy to become a student assistant on his on his staff. The kid walks out, quits, says, "I'm not coming back. I don't want to do it." And the next day, guy comes back in joins his staff as a student coach and that guy ultimately turns out to be Lincoln Riley. And so you see his mentorship of some of these players and and like the coaches and the impact that he's had far beyond the quirkiness and all those other things and it's it's really Im- impressive. And this is what, you know, college sports and you know high school whatever it is coaches can have a profound impact on people's lives and you know all the stuff, all the different stories and you know Hester and I interviewed, you know five people, six people yesterday played for him or coached for him. And, you know, he had his little plays on his note card and you know, he didn't believe in situational. He's very counterculture with some things. Didn't believe in situational football, you know, red zone, third down. Like, we're just calling plays. Like, and well, we're going to run a handful of plays and run them better than anybody else can and so you won't be able to stop them. And that was kind of his philosophy. And then they're talking about how he's riding to games. And I forget who told us this. Oh, it was the, uh, the, uh, head coach for uh, New Mexico or head fo- head coach for Nevada, Ken Wilson. And he said he would be listening to like Spanish, like Rosetta stone on, in like his headset on the way to the games, like practicing Spanish, <laughs> getting off the bus. Like most coaches are diving through making notes, talking about what they want to do. This dude is learning a foreign language <laughs> on a way to a football game. And I think that really kind of 
surmises who Mike Leach was and who he, and the great life that he lived. We had Ken Wilson on the show yesterday, in fact, and he was great with us. Bobby, we had the co-author of a book about Geronimo and the history of Geronimo and his leadership strategy that Mike Leach wrote during a season while coaching Washington State. While being the head coach, he was also writing a book about Geronimo to go in with your him learning Spanish during the season. And, and his life is a 10-part docuseries at some point, probably 10 hours worth of content of a documentary. But I'd like for one part of that documentary to have been Mike Leach gets opportunity at Blue Blood Program X to go win a national championship to see what that would have looked like. I know the story's almost more perfect that he's only at some of these football outpost type jobs, but what do you think that could have looked like, Bobby, if Mike Leach was at an Alabama or a Florida or an Ohio State or Michigan and given that type of opportunity, a USC, for example? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't know, and this is like the great dichotomy of what Mike Leach is. If you gave him great players and gave him a lot of resources, would it have worked out better for him? I don't I don't even know if that would be true. You'd think it would. It would logically make sense. But, you know, there was flirtations with Tennessee and, you know, the opportunity to potentially get there. I know it was at Starkville. He wanted to get back. And I forget who was telling us yesterday. It was his drive to get back to the SEC after, you know, leaving Kentucky, going to OU with uh, Stoops, and then ultimately going to Texas Tech. And what he was able to do in that, you know, brief time at Kentucky with Tim Couch and, you know, going head-to-head with Peyton Manning beating Alabama, I believe. And so you would think that would work, but you think about how a lot of those big blue blood programs work. They want guys that they would deem as kind of football guys. And I don't know if they would define like Mike Leach as the type of guy that they want out there representing their program. And despite the wins and the success, like he just, uh, he could survive at Texas Tech, but could he make it at Texas? You know, he could survive at Washington State, but would he be good at, at USC? You know, he's okay in Starkville, but he's all right at Alabama. And I just don't know if people there would really buy in the same way that some of the other schools are probably a little more grateful to have a guy who goes there who, despite who you're playing, you always feel like you have a chance if he's your head coach because on any given day, the guy can go put up 65 points and win a football game. So, Bobby, you you were at the Army-Navy game this weekend. Hutton and I have been there before. It's a, it's a one-of-a-kind experience. What was your takeaway from that game? And maybe more importantly, what was your takeaway when you heard that Ken Niamatololo got fired in the locker room after that loss in, in overtime for Navy? So, number one, I went there, I took my oldest son, and uh, I was a real treat. It was his 13th birthday, December 1st. So I wanted to kind of get him into it. He let, you know, he's old enough now to appreciate you know that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, it's a truly a spectacle, unlike any other, as you guys have known who have been there watching literally the best of our country out there, go out there and play football and in an era where we're talking about NIL and transfer portal and all these things. Like those issues really don't exist because those young men, men and women that choose to go to the service academies go there. Yeah. They get a chance to play sports, but they're really going there to prepare themselves for servitude to our nation and to be able to serve us. And I think that is a, an uncommon thing in today's day and age where you talk about selfless acts and not always looking at what's best for me, but I want to be developed as a human being. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, but in doing so it's going to better prepare me for our job, which is ultimately the defense of our nation. And they have it in Philadelphia and you have the independence hall and you have the Liberty bell and you know, the house that Jefferson wrote the declaration of independence, like taking my kid through all that stuff was 
amazing. You know, you go run the steps of the museum with, you know, Rocky. And even though it's a fictional story, it kind of embodies and symbolizes everything that, you know, America is. Uh, so that all that is great. And then it was honestly, it was a fantastic game, especially the way it ended. We got to be on the goal line, on the end line, watching Army and Navy come in for the last two overtimes. It was the best point of view. And like, so I feel like I could probably go play that type of football still. I mean, I don't know if I could play a whole game like that. And I'd be sore as heck the next day. But watching those guys just get after each other a uh, very tough way was awesome. But the firing of Ken Niamatololo, the way that it happened, this guy's been there for 15 years. You know, he, he's had other opportunities to leave. He's a great representation of Navy. And yeah, sure, they, they lost that. Maybe if they win that game and you don't fumble on the on the one-yard line in overtime, it makes a difference. Yeah, in the last couple of years had been tough, but I mean, he had this team winning 10 games, 11 games, and they were really humming and rolling. And I feel like at the service academies, when someone's been there that long and they've done the things that he's done, you probably are do a little more respect than getting fired in the locker room after the game. If you want to part ways, I understand there's a time and a place, but I think you wait till you get back to Annapolis. You call him in on Sunday, you have a discussion and that's how it goes. I'm not a fan of the abrupt firing of a guy just for football reasons and because he's failed to meet the standard the last couple of years. And that's okay, but let's do it in a more respectful manner for a guy who's given so much to that academy over the last decade and a half. It was a strange story yeah. when I saw it. It, it was very un-Navy-like or un-service academy-like for the things to go down that way uh, with Niamatololo. And he was very open and honest uh, with reporters about it when asked about exactly how it went down. Um, are we getting the full truth with Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba and this controversy about him not playing in the playoff game? There are reports that he could medically play and he's kind of hiding behind an injury, but that scouts are going to know that he could have played. Um, I feel like that's probably coming from someone at Ohio State that's talking about that to, to reporters. And then today you've got C.J. Stroud, and, and I think being a good leader in this, defending his teammate and defending his guy with people talking about him. What do you make of all of this, Bobby? And, and it is one thing when you have the opt-outs for any bowl game, but we haven't really seen opt-outs when it comes to the playoff yet. So a couple of things. I always tell people this. Be as cognizant of what people don't say and what they don't do as they do. And – you know, I, I'm around the program a lot. I haven't tried to dig into this much. You know, I mean, guys, they have their own personal decisions and soft tissue injuries. You know, they're they're a fickle fickle thing. Um, and everybody's very different when, in that. So, you know, me saying, hey, you can your hamstring can be good in two weeks or two months or 10 weeks. You know, he tried to come back and play earlier in the year. But with regard to C.J. Stroud, I think if everybody would have stayed silent on that, I think that there would have been more of a prevailing thought that, hey, you know, maybe he's hiding, maybe he's just choosing not to play and the hamstring's a convenient excuse. When you see players, teammates defend their guy, that to me signifies like, hey, you know what? Like this this guy, there's a decision that was made. It was for his medical health and all this stuff. If he could play, he probably would. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, everybody's injuries are going to be different, especially the soft tissue. And I'll tell this, when I tell any guy when they're talking about, should I play or should I not? And the decisions I always would make, you know, Mike, if, if you think you can help your team and you can put your head on the pillow at night knowing that, you know what, you going out there isn't going to make a difference and, you know, you're, you're still not where you really need to be, then that's fine. And the only person that will know that is Jackson. 
you know, the doctors, especially for soft tissue stuff, like they can say this and that, but nobody really knows when you go out there and test it and how it feels, how far away you are and how it's going to feel. And so it's a very personal thing. And so at night when you're brushing your teeth and you look yourself in the mirror and you say, Hey, you know, could I be doing this? And only honestly, you're going to be the only one that knows. And I find Jackson to be a guy that loves football. I, I do believe this, that there's a lot of people now involved in the college football experience that weren't there five years ago with the NIL and transfer portal, you know, agents and everybody's getting guys ears. And I don't know what impact that could potentially have on these situations, but as long as you lay your head down at night and you're like, you know what? I I'm good with this. This is, I can't, I truly can't play or I wouldn't be as effective out there as I needed to be, then that's that's fine. But that's only a decision that Jackson Jackson will be able to understand. Bobby Carpenter with us. Bobby, I'm going to throw a hypothetical out there, and it may be unfair, maybe not. I, I'm, you're, you're there in Ohio. I don't get the, the vibe here. So after Ryan Day lost again to Michigan in the regular season, we're starting to hear this, oh, you know, he can't be – he's not winning these type games. It's a Ryan Day issue. Hypothetically, if Ohio State beats Georgia and then loses to Michigan in the national championship, what's this offseason like for him at Ohio State? You said if he loses to Georgia right now or loses no, 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 beats no. Georgia, beats Georgia and loses to Michigan. And loses in a rematch for the championship to <laughs> oh. Michigan. I mean, so you beat who people define as the number one team overall. That'd be the oh, win yeah. of the year. You know, that would be the win oh, of the year. It, yeah, I don't believe Georgia's yeah. gonna lose. So it would be unbelievable to me especially without some of the guys that Ohio State's going to be without if they can yeah. win that game. So that's you look at that. I mean, that, I mean that, that's ultimately the dichotomy of sports, the ultimate highs and lows. You know, it's Ohio State beating Alabama and then losing to Oregon, except this time Oregon is Michigan and you would have lost to them three times in two years. My goodness, that would be tough because saying like you can't win the big game, you would be winning the game that most people think you can't win. And then going to play Jim Harbaugh in Michigan and not being able to close that out. Gosh, I know people will be very upset and very frustrated. Um, I, honestly, that's that's a really tough one, guys. Because I would like to lean on the fact that, you know what, you did something that probably no one thought could be done. And then ultimately you lost your rival again in a national championship game, and that really stings. So I, I think there would be some people that would be upset about it. But you'd also have to look at a guy that just beat the team that couldn't be beaten and hadn't lost in two years. So I think that sword cuts both ways. But I think they're at that point, I mean, you start looking at the final Saturday in November in 2023, and then that's uh, that's a fairly must-win situation. So Trent Dilfer takes a job at a Nashville area private school, builds it into a power uh, in the state and really nationally with the talent that they have. Leaves that job after four years, goes to UAB, where he's now the head coach. When he leaves, I joked, well, maybe Lipscomb Academy, his former job, will just go hire someone else from TV that's a celebrity and a former player and do it all over again. And at the time, I thought it was a joke. It's not a joke. They hired Jason Witten, your buddy and former teammate with the Cowboys, Bobby. You've got Dilfer now in college. You've got Deion Sanders at Colorado, where he started in youth football. Now you've got Jason Witten taking over Trent Dilfer's job at Lipscomb Academy in Nashville. Is this now a trend? Is this now a way to get quickly into the college ranks as a head coach by going this route? And what did you make of your friend Jason Witten taking this job in coaching? Well, uh, you know, Jason, I saw him at the Army-Navy game. He was up there doing some promotions. Him and his lovely wife, Michelle. I hadn't seen him in about a year and a half, and it was it was good to catch up. Um you know, frankly, I mean, I thought there may have been an opportunity for him to even join 
uh, Heupel staff at Tennessee. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I thought it would have been you know, a great fit if that potentially could have worked out. And so to hear this, um, not completely shocking. Uh, Jason could coach ball. He was coaching down in, in Dallas, coaching his boys high school down there. Um, maybe he wants to see him do it at a bigger scale before he ultimately takes that leap either to college or the NFL. Um, you know, he's a Tennessean. Uh, that makes sense, getting him back to Nashville, the Nashville area. Uh, he's been in Dallas, heck, now for over 20 years. I, I honestly never thought that he would leave. I'm like, if he doesn't take a job at Tennessee, you know, where else are you going to take it? It's your alma mater and, you know, with a, with a really great coach. And if that opportunity became available, that seems like something you'd jump at. But, you know, maybe this is that stepping stone. He wants to try to do this. His boys are in high school now. And I think a big piece of it is I talked to him when he retired. I mean, I played for my dad. He played for his his grandfather, his brother's a coach in East Tennessee. Like there's something about playing for your dad and the relationship that you ultimately have with him during that time uh, that's very formative. And so I think that there might be an element of, hey, I want to finish this out, continue to grow my portfolio and continue to build what I am as a coach. And then when the time is right, you know, maybe make that jump. And that might be in a couple of years. Bobby Carpenter has been our guest and uh, always great to catch up with you, uh, Bobby. Hope everything is well and uh, look forward to, to chatting next week on, I mean, we'll have some bowl games to chat about. We'll be looking ahead to some some bigger matchups and uh, plenty of opt-outs as well. So who knows? It's so <laughs> difficult to pick these games. Like I, I, I stay away from it for the most part on, on different apps because, I mean, who knows who actually wants to show up and play and who doesn't. That's that's the secret right there. And Lou Holtz said it a long time ago. When trying to pick winners for bowl games, try to pick the team that is the most motivated to be there because they will be the one that will play the best. Good to see you, man. Hope things are well, and uh, we'll catch up next week. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, guys. There's Merry Bobby. Christmas. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. There's Bobby Carpenter. You can check him on SiriusXM Channel 84. He and uh, Jacob Hester do a great job and uh, talk all things college football and more. And uh, we do that with him each and every Wednesday. How about the Jason Witten news? You're going to Lipscomb Academy. Because well, immediately the light bulb went off, and I'm thinking, in four years, he's probably going to get a UAB-level job if he continues what Trent Dilfer started. I had I had heard. I loved the hire. I mean, I, I think at Lipscomb Academy in town here in Nashville, They what they're basically doing is they're trying to become IMG Academy. And that's what Dilfer was trying to build with you know Elite 11 connections and everything else. I had heard they reached out to Tim Tebow. First call was to Tim Tebow, and uh, that would have been something. I was I was doing an event we during COVID on Zoom with Eddie George, and his guest was was Tim Tebow. And um, Eddie, we taped it before Eddie announced and made it official that he was going to be the head coach at Tennessee State University. And so he broke the news to Tim live on the on our pre-tape, and. Uh, you know, he was pumped. He was elated, and he gave this you know speech about you know the impact that a coach can have on a team. and And so, whenever I heard that Lipscomb Academy had reached out to Tim Tebow, I'm thinking I'm thinking back to that moment, yeah, where he learns why Eddie wanted to be a head coach and how excited he was, and he reacted Eddie. to it. Yeah. Um, now, look, Tebow's not a head coach right now, so you know you got to weigh a lot of different things. Um, and he's Tebow certainly got makes, tons of tons of options. Tebow makes so much money but, to do exactly what he did with Eddie by just speaking and almost cutting a promo but, with his inspirational speeches that he can give to people. But think about the money in high school athletics right now. This is a state, and it's coming to your way too if you're watching elsewhere and you're listening elsewhere. I mean, NIL is a high school thing too. Past 12 nothing by the board here for the Tennessee uh, uh, 
uh, state uh, the board of yeah and yeah their board of regents or whatever it's called uh, decision makers uh, Chad the 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 idea that they're calling up Tebow and Witten and they're coming off of hiring Dilfer I mean it's it's crazy to think and now I mean that's been going on for a while in Georgia and Texas and elsewhere Florida but it's it's now moving around to different states California has always had it too you see where I'm going here though like there yeah. are multi all these big Basically, the, the, the donors and the boosters in college are your team owners, and you're starting to see that at the private school level, too, in high school. I've thought about this with NIL in high school and how it's going to affect the game. And you know, I, I heard from a lot of people, well, well we're just making uh, an entitled generation even more entitled if we're going to start paying kids in high school uh, to go to a certain high school or to change high schools and go play somewhere else. And I don't think it's going to be overly prevalent yeah. in terms of endorsement deals and what guys are making. Here's one thing, though, I would say and caution against that could be a way to funnel, funnel funds down and then up. And that is, what if a Lipscomb Academy basically becomes a, farm, a, a, a program that's the farm system for another program? So example... If Lipscomb Academy and Vanderbilt mm -hmm. wanted to partner and Vanderbilt's got their own NIL, wouldn't it be money well spent sure. if you oh, started funneling, funneling money to Lipscomb Academy for every athlete they can recruit to go to Lipscomb Academy and knowing that they're going to have a relationship with Vanderbilt and essentially they know it's Vanderbilt paying them and not Lipscomb Academy? So you are developing guys mm. in your system that are top-notch athletes and recruits to go right up to the big leagues? And play in the SEC again. I have no knowledge of that right, happening. Right. This is just my mind th going overtime, thinking this is the next evolution of that. If you wanted to be cutting edge and ahead of everyone else, if I'm a program, especially in the same city mm -hmm. as the school, why would you not get some of your boosters and alums and football alums? Hey, instead of giving money to our linebacker this year. We're still trying to develop the farm system. Let's give some more money to the Lipscomb Athletic Fund, and it'll be used towards NIL for their student-athletes. And Chad's saying that from a perspective of the high schools who are recruiting nationally, which is what's happening now. Uh, coming up, primary complaints. We air our top grievance of the week next on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Coming up in about 30 minutes, Mike Gunzelman from OutKick.com will be uh, joining us in studio. Clay Travis on the show in a little over an hour. Looking forward to that. And we will also hit the NFL playoff picture. But right now, each time this week, it's time for Primary Complaint. Time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for a primary complaint on Outkick 360. 
Chad, my primary complaint this week, Alexander Madison, uh, and not for the, the celebration, the celebration, whatever. He, he rushes for a touchdown uh, this past week or two weeks ago, and um, he received a fine for the, the touchdown celebration, nearly $6,000. But here's my issue with all of that. The NFL's fining Alexander Madison of the Vikings for the celebration. But in this tweet from the NFL, they are getting social media engagement, comparing it to soccer players and the same celebration that they were doing after scoring a goal. They're looking for clicks. They're looking for shares. They're looking for views. But they're also looking for six grand from Alexander Madison for doing something that the NFL is now promoting. That's my primary complaint. Personally, I prefer the soccer celebration. That's just my personal taste, though. My primary complaint is reporters or columnists or opinionists that believe their experience is the only experience and just completely disregard the fact that other people may watch something else that's very popular. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I'm not a big soccer guy. I'm not doing backflips over the World Cup in every single match. I also acknowledge it's a global phenomenon, and there's a lot of people in the U.S. that pay attention and love it. I understand that. Peter King writes a weekly column for the Monday Morning Quarterback, and the day after Brock Purdy has a good performance against the 49ers, he talks about Brock Purdy's college career like it happened in Scandinavia, and that he has to inform the football public of a school named Iowa State in a conference called the Big 12, as if people who don't watch football don't know who Brock Purdy is and don't know that he played at Iowa State. I'm picking on Peter King here a little bit. He's not the only one. I'm just using this as the example. Just because you don't watch college football that much and you only watch the NFL and you only know about the NFL, do not treat your readers like morons and have to explain to them what Iowa State is and where it is. Because most football fans, they watch the NFL and they watch the college game and they know Brock Purdy from Iowa State. It's not that difficult. And that's my primary complaint. Chad, coming up, we take a look at the NFL playoff picture a little bit later. We'll dive into some other big headlines. Guns, Play Travis will join us. And another big opt-out for one of the best bowl matchups of the college football postseason. We'll tell you who that is, and if we're surprised or not, I think I am. A little surprised. Yeah. Headlines next on Outkick 360.